right. Good morning, everyone. It is, uh, it's really lovely to see you this morning and uh, get a chance to, uh, to share and to, to open God's Word together. We're going to continue our, our journey through the book of Acts. And uh, Phil mentioned there that wonderful publication, the CFM Weekly News. And uh, avid readers of the CFM Weekly News will see that uh, this morning we've got four passages. The silence tells me that's a surprise to many. Uh, so we're going to look at, at, uh, at four passages. We'll really be based in Acts chapter 4. But we want to, to, to reference something that's, that's going on in, uh, in Acts 4, 5, 6 and 7. As, uh, as the church, as it begins to grow... Uh, starts to face some opposition, some kickback. So that's what we're going to be exploring. Uh, as, a, as a gentle way into what we're going to look at, I want to tell you about uh, last, I think it was last summer, uh, when uh, England were playing in the, in the Women's Football European Championships. I wonder if you were one of the people who was tuning in to watch, uh, watch those games and watch that, uh, that kind of... Uh, journey to victory for, for the England team. Well, one of the, one of the wonderful things about that for me personally was uh, being able to watch those games with my daughters. Uh, and that was, that was really brilliant. I, I just, just loved getting to, to watch that with, uh, with Abby and Lucy. And the first game that we watched, we were going to watch uh, England taking on Norway. Norway, quite a strong uh, ladies football team. And uh, before we watched the game, I felt that I needed to, to, to tell Abby and Lucy some some truths about what it is to watch England play football. See, over the last 30 years, there's certain things that I have learned. So we, we sat down, the TV was off, and I said, often when watching England, it's very tense. It's a rather tense affair. There's usually some penalty drama at some point or another. I said, it's lovely to watch. Everyone tries their best. But often we finish second. And so just so we know that, let's, let's set, get that expectation clear. And so we settled down to watch the game, and uh, England won that game 8-0. <laughs> it was 8-0 that game. Uh, it was so comprehensive and so comfortable that there was members of our household that were wanting the red team to score because they were feeling sorry for them. Not something I felt. But afterwards, the children were like, well, why, what was all that about before the game? <laughs> I mean, later on, we would watch England in a World Cup quarterfinal, and it would be pretty tense. And there was some penalty drama, and everyone did try their best, and we did finish second. But at that time, we didn't. And I said to girls, you know, watching England, it's not always like this. It's not always 8-0. There is another side to the story. And what we're going to see as we now turn our attention to the book of Acts, as we've seen so far the church filled with the Holy Spirit. We've seen God himself come to live in the hearts and lives of his people. We've seen that that's impacted and affected the way that they treat one another. That they're giving and generous and caring and aware of each other and their needs. We've seen how it impacts as they go to the temple and they see a lame man on the way and they share Jesus with him and the healing that comes from that. We've seen people uh, flock to them and, and Peter explain the good news of Jesus to them and people respond. 
But there is another side to the response that, uh, that there is when, when Jesus is preached, lived out and proclaimed. And we'll see that in, in these chapters. Let, let me give you a, an overview um, if, if you have a chance, it would be great to read through these four chapters, maybe, uh, maybe this week. But let me give you a, a really brief overview, and then we'll read a bit of chapter 4 uh, together, and that's where we'll camp. In chapter 4, we read that Peter and John, as, as they are, have, they've gone to the temple to pray, they've met a lame man on the way, he's been healed, and then people flock to hear what's going on. And then we read that they are arrested and they're put in, in, in jail overnight before being put on trial in front of the Sanhedrin. In Acts chapter 5, we read more wonderful things that are going on in that early church. And then ultimately, the apostles are arrested. They're put on trial, and there's some wonderful things happening in and around this. But for this morning, they're put on trial, and then they're flogged, they're beaten, and then they're released. Then in Acts chapter 6, we meet a man called Stephen, and he's going to be significant. He's a man who's described as full of the Holy Spirit, full of faith, and, uh, and, and, and there's opposition to him. False accusations are brought against him. And at the end of Acts chapter 7, uh, the, the, the Sanhedrin are so angry with him, they gnash their teeth at him, we read. They rush at him and drag him outside the city where he is killed, where he's martyred for his faith. And so we see these three waves of persecution, these waves of opposition come against the church in these chapters, starting with a a brief imprisonment, and then uh, the apostles are beaten, and then Stephen is martyred. Let's read Acts chapter 4, and I'll read, uh, perhaps read up to verse 17, to begin with at least. The priests And the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people after the lame man's been healed. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. They seized Peter and John and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Ananias, the high priest, was there, and so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest family. They had Peter and John brought to them before they began to question them. By what power and what name did you do this? Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we've been called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and have been asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. For salvation is found in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given to man by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who'd been healed standing there with them, There was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and conferred together. 
What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they've performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. And we'll stop there for now. So I want to, to do two things uh, in the next few moments together. I want us to, to think about why the early church faces this opposition and, and, and recognise there's nothing new under the sun. So, so what does that look like for, for us even now? And then how they respond to the opposition that comes their way. That's the, uh, that's the, the flight path of where we're heading. So why uh, why was the early church facing opposition? Firstly, maybe maybe there was maybe there were some genuine questions about what were going on here. Maybe in Deuteronomy, Moses says this. He says, "If a prophet or one who foretells by dreams appears among you and announces to you a sign or wonder." And if the sign or wonder spoken of takes place and the prophet says, let us follow other gods, gods that we've not known and let us worship them. You must not listen to the words of the prophet or dreamer. The Lord your God is testing you to find out if you love him with all your heart and all your soul. It's the Lord your God you must follow and him you must revere. Keep his commands and obey them. Serve him and hold fast to him. The prophet or dreamer must be put to death for inciting rebellion against the Lord your God. So I hope we can see what's happening here. Moses says, if somebody appears and something miraculous happens or a dreamer or a prophet and and that miracle happens, but they are taking you away from the God, the living God, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, then you mustn't listen to it. So actually, though that when Peter and John are brought before the Sanhedrin, they're brought before this, this Jewish ruling council, and the Sanhedrin would have been an imposing and impressive situation. 71 uh, of the kind of prominent Jewish leaders sat in a big sort of semicircle, sort of amphitheater sort of style, and then brought before them. It would have been quite intimidating. But in a sense, they have the right to, to investigate what's going on. Because something miraculous has happened. And if Peter and John were were trying to draw people away from the living God, then they have the right to investigate that, to explore that. And and you'll see as Peter and John uh, defend themselves in Acts chapter 5, the apostles, uh, sorry, in Acts chapter 4, the apostles in Acts 5, and Stephen in Acts 7 goes to great lengths to say this, we're not going away from the living God here, we're going towards the living God. Because he's come towards us in Jesus. And, and and you can you can explore that a little bit more, but maybe there were some authentic reasons for checking out what's going on here. As we go on, I, I'm not convinced that these are authentic reasons to be being checked out, but they, they would have had the right to do that. So, what about f- for us then? What does that mean for us? Maybe there will be times when we face a pushback, or or questions, or even opposition for our faith in Jesus. As people genuinely investigate what it's all about. What does it mean? What are you saying? What, what is this that you're talking about or that your lifestyle is proclaiming? 
Lee Strobel, you might, might have heard of Lee Strobel. He's a, a journalist. He was a journalist and, uh, and a law school graduate and uh, in the States. And, uh, and his life was turned upside down uh, when his wife announced to him that she'd become a Christian. And, and, that, and that would turn your life upside down. Because that changes everything, doesn't it? It changes uh, how, how we live, how we view things, how we, we view ourselves, how we view life, what success is. It, it's, it's a big change. And so we appreciate that the change that would have been in his home, in his marriage, in his, in his setting. And so he sets out to disprove Christianity. There's, there's opposition because he's, he's seeking out what this is all about. Uh, and, it, and he investigates did Jesus really live? Um, did he really die? Uh, it's, it, it, he was an atheist and, and, and felt like the, to become a Christian, the, the, the leap was too big. There was too many unknowns. But as he discovered and talked to lots of, of people around it and lots of experts, he came to the conclusion Jesus uh, did live. He was crucified and he was raised to life. And he gave his life to Jesus. Uh, among his books, Case for Christ is probably the most famous. Sometimes we become opposition out of, even though it can be antagonistic, behind it can be some genuine questions. Some, sometimes it can be some genuine seeking. Let's see another reason why the early church faced some opposition. Chapter 5, verse 17. Then the high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. The second wave of, of, of opposition that we're looking at that happens in chapter 5 kicks off because of jealousy. And jealousy is a powerful motivator. And sometimes it's overt and sometimes it isn't so much. But it's, it's wrapped up in a lot of, of, our, of our motivations. And here we read that the, the, um, the early church came up against this opposition. The apostles were arrested and put in jail. And, and some of the reason was, was jealousy. There are times when in our own walk with the Lord, perhaps in our own journey, we'll face uh, resistance, pushback. Or opposition out of jealousy. Jealousy might sound like an, an odd reason to be persecuted, but jealousy is, is the is the sort of envious resentment that that you have something that I don't have, or something that I want, even even if it's not fully acknowledged or we're not entirely aware of it. Nicky Gumbel, who um, who kind of does the Alpha course th- through the course shares. A bit of his own story, and it's 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 fascinating. His his dad was uh, was German and and a Jew, and 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 came over to the UK before just before the Second World War, and and he grew up in a in a in an atheist household, and himself was was a, quite a strong atheist before he encountered Jesus at university. But as he as he reflects back, he says, but even in those early years, <coughs> he found Christians. There was something about them that annoyed him. It was their smile. It was their demeanor. It was something, there was something about them. And, and though he couldn't articulate it clearly, there was something they had that he wanted that he, he didn't have. 
And so sometimes we, we, we face opposition from jealousy. Thirdly, sometimes we, we face, uh, or the early church faced opposition because lives were being changed, because lives were being transformed. Let, let, let's just have a look. Acts chapter 4. I'm going to read verse 1 and then I'll jump down to verse 5. Just notice how many people or individuals or groups are gathered round for this trial. Um, I'll attempt to count them as we go. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were still speaking. Down to verse 5 as the trial begins. The next day the rulers, the elders and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem Ananias the high priest was there, so was Caiaphas, John and Alexander and the others of the high priest's family. That's 11 individuals or groups who, who are met to, 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 to oppose or to discover or to put on trial what's happening in the early church. So, so there's, there's just such a tension to what's going on because people's lives are being changed. And people, and it's sort of capturing the imagination of the people around, because and and change is difficult. Moving things, change is not easy, and and it's just really really noticeable that it is causing such a such a stir because things are changing. Peter, only a few weeks before, um, ref, kind of um. Uh, said that he didn't even know who Jesus was when asked by a servant girl. I don't even know him. Calls down curses on himself. Now, just a few weeks later, he stood before the Sanhedrin and he's speaking with boldness and confidence. He stood up at Pentecost and preached to hundreds. There's a transformation here. There's a change that's happening here. There's a change that's going on in, in how the, the early church is interacting with each other, in how they love one another, in how they, they operate together. There's a change happening in the lame man's life. I mean, his, his life's been totally transformed. And I suspect that part of the, the reason for opposition that comes to the early church here is that perhaps others recognised it more than they did, that things were, were changing. That, that, that there's, a, there's, a, there's a move happening. And sometimes that, that opportunity for, for change brings resistance, brings opposition. And our lives will be changed, won't they? When, 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 we, when we understand the gospel of the Lord Jesus, when we come to recognize that we are created by the living God. That when we recognize that God has, has made us, we're not accidents that we're made, that we've been knit together in our mother's womb, we've been formed. That changes how we see each other. It changes how we view people. It changes how we view, how we view each other, how we view those who are older, how we view children. It, it changes. The, 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 the message of Jesus changes us when we realise that we're all sinners in need of salvation, that changes how we view things. That we're all sinners, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That salvation's open to all. That he believes that, that none should perish, no, not one. That that's something that's available to everybody. That when we realize that when we're saved, we're, we're adopted into God's family. 
We're adopted into God's family, that we become heirs and co-heirs with Christ. What that must do to how we view ourselves, how we live, what we prioritise, that we're, we're part of the family of God, that he is our father, that we, that we step into all that that means. That when we become part of his, his family, become part of his body, that we're all different. But we all have a part to play and we're connected with each other just as we're connected with God. And we're given, uh, we're given gifts and responsibilities as we journey with him. Uh, how this transforms us. Sometimes perhaps we, uh, we face opposition because Jesus changes lives. And if he changes individual lives, he also changes communities. He changes churches. Fourthly, maybe the, the church came into under opposition because the, the resurrection changes everything. The resurrection changes everything. In each of the three waves of persecution that come, there is a trial before the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin was, it was a council. It would have had 71 uh, elders in it. And lots of the folks in the Sanhedrin were Sadducees. We get them mentioned a couple of times in these, in these verses. And, 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 and Sadducees were, were a, a particularly um, dominant group at this point. And, uh, and, and part of the things that they believed, one would be that there's, there's nothing uh, supernatural. So I won't believe in, in angels or, or demons uh, and, and, uh, and didn't believe in the resurrection. And so as they come across a man who's been healed and he's been healed in the name of a resurrected saviour, then it's not a surprise that they were greatly disturbed at what was going on. But, but the resurrection does change everything. It changes everything because... Because if we believe that this life is all that there is, then we'll live very differently than if we believe this life is just a part of all that there is. That there is an eternity. That there is an, a, a thereafter. If we believe that there is only this world, then why wouldn't we squeeze out every bit of, of power, of enjoyment, of influence out of our 70 years if we get 70 years, if, if, if we get it. But if we believe that there's, there's an eternity, it's got to change how we, how we operate and how we live. C.S. Lewis wrote the Narnia series. And in his, the last book, The Last Battle, as, as the sort of storyline is wrapped up, I'll not read too much because I don't want to give anything away, but the, right, right at the end, It says, we read this, just a couple of lines. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and title page. And now at last they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever and in which every chapter is better than the one before. If if there's an eternity... If, the, if Jesus is resurrected from the dead as the first who has been resurrected, if we will be resurrected, then that changes how we live today. Then why, why would we let things like wealth get in the way of, of, if this is just the cover and the title page, if the story's yet to come, why would we let petty things get in the way 
of just giving it everything in the short time that we have compared to the vastness of the story that's to come. But if this is life is all that there is, then it's a different story. And so the, the opposition comes perhaps because the resurrection changes everything. And then fifthly, and lastly on this, the early church faced opposition because Jesus said they would. Because Jesus said so. Luke chapter 12. When you are brought before synagogues, rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you'll defend yourselves or what you shall say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what to say. And that's what we've seen as we've read. John chapter 15, verse 20. Jesus says, remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. And what's interesting is as we go through Acts 4 and 5 and 6 and 7, is that's exactly what happened. What happened to Jesus started to happen to his followers. So just a couple of examples, really quickly. Jesus was arrested at night, so Peter and John were arrested in the evening. Ananias and Caiaphas were involved in the trial of Jesus. They're involved in the trial of Peter and John. They brought false witnesses against Jesus. They bring up false witnesses against Stephen. They arrested Jesus but were afraid of the crowd. Remember they said they weren't sure about the arrest him at Pentecost because they were afraid of a riot. In Acts 5, when they arrest the apostles, they don't lay a hand on them because they're afraid of the people. They stirred up the crowd in Jesus' trial and they do that in Stephen's. They drag Jesus out of the city to be killed. They drag Stephen outside the city to be killed. And sometimes, I guess we'll face opposition because Jesus faced opposition. And if Jesus comes to live within us, then, then just as sometimes people ran to him and sometimes they ran away and sometimes they ran at then that the sort of responses that we too will face. Paul says in Timothy, 2 Timothy 3.12, in fact, anyone, everyone, sorry, who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Not a verse we see on many fridge magnets <laughs> or bookmarks. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And, 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 and the apostles, as they, in Acts 5, as they leave having been flogged, having been beaten, we read they left the Sanhedrin, verse 40, 41, rejoicing because they've been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. They said, if this is how they treated Jesus, then this is how they'll treat us. So what is the, the response that the apostles uh, and the early church give us as, as opposition starts to come their way? There was five little points for the first. There's just one here. We're, co- we're coming into land. Each time they are brought before the Sanhedrin, before the courts, the early church preached Christ. They speak of Christ, they share Christ, they display Christ, they point to Christ. Sometimes with lots of words like Stephen in Acts 7, sometimes with just a few, like in Acts 4 or even 5. But they point to Jesus. 
Notice in what we read, as, as Peter and John stand before, before the court, maybe, be out, maybe arrested out of jealousy, maybe there's some genuine questions, maybe because they recognize that the, the transformation is happening, maybe because that's how they treated Jesus. But for whatever reason, Peter stands and he takes a spotlight off himself and he says, it is in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but God raised from the dead that this man stands before you healed. The stone you builders have rejected has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no other name under heaven given to man by which you must be saved. Peter just points to Jesus. He, 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 there's something about, there's just this, this gentle confidence that the apostles and early church have. You know, it strikes me in Acts 5 when they're arrested and they say they don't lay a hand on them because they're afraid of the people. The apostles could easily have just kind of whipped the crowd up and, and, and let's make this an us against them situation. What's, what's really struck me is that they go with those who are arresting them. They follow them into the Sanhedrin. There's just this gentle confidence that what God has permitted to happen God will use. And, 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 and there's this um, yeah, confidence in the Lord as seeing that this, which is so difficult, which is, which is uncomfortable, may also be an opportunity. See, if, if you're anything like me, I, I, I don't find this easy. It's a little bit uncomfortable to think about opposition. Who wants to be opposed? It's not a pleasant thought to be opposed. But even in the, in the increasing opposition that comes in Acts, in, somehow in God's economy, what, what is meant for harm is turned to good. And there's a, there's a real opportunity in the opposition. If we were to go uh, down to the beach... Maybe picture a really lovely beach. So you can picture Morecambe if you like. Or another lovely beach. And uh, if we were to stand where the, the sea meets the land, what would we, would, we'd be sure would happen is would, would be that the waves would kind of, kind of brush against us, lap against us. And there'll be times and quiet still days when the, the waves would be gentle and just, just kind of tickle our toes. And there'll be times, depending on where you are, where there would be a real storm and the waves crashing over the top of us. But there will always be waves at the seaside. And it strikes me as we go through Acts and we carry on through church history that there are always waves of opposition. And there are times where relatively, relatively small, there are times where they're huge. But there's always waves. And our role is to stand. Is to stand on the truth of, of, of the gospel. And to see the opportunity and the challenge. For what God has permitted to happen. Can be used by him. I'm going to pray. I'm aware that there are parts of the world where this is, is, is really, really um, 
there's some big waves crashing. Equally, even in our own nation, I'm aware there are individual situations where there's some fairly big waves crashing at the moment. And I'm going to pray for us all in that. And then we'll sing to close. Heavenly Father, Lord, we... uh, we thank you for the the gospel that we have. We thank you for uh, our salvation. We thank you for all that Jesus has, has done. And the offer that he, he reaches out of forgiveness and grace and life. And we see, Lord, that there are... Um, there are places and times where, where there's such great opposition to your own work. Father, I pray, if that is, uh, whoever that is, and wherever that is, Lord, I pray that you'll give us the, the peace. I pray you'll give us the words as you fill us with your spirit that we'll not worry about what to say or how to respond. But may we know your presence in these situations. Father, I pray for that gentle confidence Father, I pray for, for just a real assurance of your presence. Father, for, for parts and places in the world where that uh, persecution is so, so, so strong and so vicious. Father, I pray for uh, strength and courage for our brothers and sisters. Father, even in our, on our, own, our own circle, in our own community, in our own experience. Father, I pray uh, for those perhaps who receive uh, some heat at at work or taunting or or mockery. Lord, for perhaps those who who receive it on the school bus or, 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 or in whatever situation. Father, may we know your presence and care and guidance. And Father, I pray that you'll give us a sense where there's opportunities to speak. I pray you'll give us a sense of it, Lord, and, and, and give us, just give us the words to say, if that's, if that's what's required. Father, we pray that we'd be a faithful people. I pray that we'd be a loving people. I pray as far as it depends on us that we'd live at peace with one another. And Father, I pray that we'd get a bigger grasp of what you're doing in our lives and that we'd see more and more of that transformation in our own hearts. Lord, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.